set will be going by now. That's her podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming back to another true crime podcast. This is Carl. And Jim. And this would be your part two of episode two, our Ooh. Oregon murders. Murders. Yes. Well. Yeah. What of it? You've left me alone to read about murders for days now. I know, I had to work and you've been off. And I've just been not doing things with people to read about this. Think, think everything's fine. I you think comfy? Gonna... You comfy? Uh, Somewhat? My tea's gonna be really loud because my mom got me this big metal tea ball. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on in there. It's not your normal tea bag kind of deal. It's like no, your I space like man helmet. I like it, but it's just... I told, I asked her if it was a Christmas tree ornament. It's very cute. Isn't it? I thought it was great. It's much better than the cat tea thing that we have. But Anywho, um, yeah, every time I've come home, you have been on your laptop with this intense document open that has, like... Tons. You mean my 4,000 word essay Basically. on dating Leroy Rogers? That's what I was looking at. I'm like, oh my god, I can't I read can't... it, but I can see that it's intense. Holy well, cow. you told me I should type it instead of writing. So I did. So Typing has been helping me a little bit. It's <laughs> the late 1960s. Okay. And Oregon has just kind of gotten over the whole Jerome Brudos thing, my as guy. we actually previously heard on part one of episode two. And... The sadistic, <laughs> sadistic, the sadistic devil, if there was ever any, Brutos, right? He was the record holder for um, the most slayings attributed to one murder. That is until Dayton Leroy Rogers came along. So what I think is great yeah. is that the Pacific Northwest, um, which is kind of Washington, California, Oregon. and Oregon... Um, it's ideal for killers to dump bodies because of the kind of climate and the atmosphere that we have. Okay. So it helps for rapid decomposition, oh. and so they can go undiscovered for months, even years. Because it's so yeah. freaking So while killers are out about doing these things, their bodies are rotting away, they're not worried about it. So like Bundy and Woodfield and like the Green River Killer, these are all people who've dumped bodies in the Pacific Northwest. Oh. Forestry regions. So that kind of gives you an idea, too, of what's going on with this area. Yeah. Sorry, I have a hair in my mouth. No worries. I also wanted to mention, if you hear any snoring, it's Frida. Oh, gosh. I did not think about that. She tends snorey puppy. to snore louder than almost any human I know. Sometimes. I, she snores louder than any human I know, for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. Purple Even my dog. drunk uncle. We'll do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> Even your drunk uncle. Okay. So, rotting bodies in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. So, my killer, as most serial killers do, he loved to prey and troll on people that weren't his family or people that he was connected to because, of course, that makes it harder for them to right. find. Right. So, his favorite thing, much like killers of their time, was killing women. And he loved to kill prostitutes and runaways people that he thought basically wouldn't be missed by the world right so he had a strategy and he stuck to it and mm -hmm. it got him yeah away and he's murder. dumping these bodies in locations where people aren't going to look for them so i mean he's kind of got his whole system set up. 
it doesn't also help him to the Bundy effect that I like to call a charming, handsome serial killer because uh, he was a good-looking guy. Okay. So uh, Rogers, uh, as I'll refer to him throughout the story, or I might call him Dayton, which is his first name. Okay. I like saying Rogers better. <laughs> he was also considered to be good-looking, um, and he knew how to talk to women as well. And he was young when all of this is happening, too, so it's he's in his 30s at the peak of all of this, so that kind of gives you an idea, too. Like, you know, he's hip, air quotes. Right, I know. We need to get in the habit of <laughs> doing something other than air quotes, because it's not getting across except for <laughs> I'm doing air quotes. Okay, so yes. Anyway, so he would like to kill people of opportunity, obviously prostitutes and things like that. And he also knew that he could go about doing most of his naughty deeds to prostitutes because they wouldn't go to the cops. Uh-huh. Because one, cops, cops aren't going to take you seriously when you're a hooker or a prostitute or a street whore, as they were often referred to. Intense terminology. I Guys, I did a lot of research for this, for this case because I just got really wrapped up in it. And so I ended up reading a book. It's called Bloodlust. Tales of a Serial Killer. Ooh. It's really long, but, <laughs> but it's really good. And the whole time, this book is from the 80s, I think. Okay. So, oh God, the words he chooses are not words we would use today. No. So the whole time he would always call them street whores. Dayton would always prey on street whores. Like you can't just say prostitute because no. that's their position you yeah. have to call them a street whore because you're a man with like misogynistic preconceived but mind you he's, he's telling the story how it is point of the story is that in throughout this whole book they refer to them as street whores which i think is funny because it kind of gives you an idea of what people value them as which is nothing At but they're people too. too but what i love about all of this is that Every so often, you get a good detective, or you get a good cop, mm -hmm. and you get somebody that's going to fucking gumshoe the shit out of this. And so, a case <laughs> falls on Detective Turner's lap. Okay. And that is the case of Jenny Smith. For the first time, there's a man who's looking at the victim as a person, not as a hooker or a drug addict. So he takes it about himself to kind of really pursue this case you know this is somebody's daughter or their sister what have you not only that but she's a human yeah so back to rogers um he's been afflicted with this sense of uh cruelty and wanting to inflict pain on others since he was really young and what he calls his pain is a blood splitting white pain that he gets from these headaches that will only distinguish by hearing somebody else's pain or like suffering so similar to my guy's blackout headaches yeah most of his crimes were like super motiveless but they were super sexual that's all they, that's all they were they were super sexual okay because he has this crazy weird foot fetish thing too oh my gosh it's really bad so bizarre yeah so bizarre. So as you're telling me your story with this foot fetish thing, I'm just like, oh god. I'm right there with you. Here's this normal guy with a foot fetish who does a lot of weird things to feet. And no offense to anybody with a foot fetish, but no, it's just so but coincidental. When you start hacking off people's feet for your own pleasure, that right. gets a little bit different. I'm not judging anybody with a foot fetish. I know people 
that right. hat. That it's not that but crossing normal. the line at chopping them off. Okay. I put normal in air quotes as that as well. There's no such thing as normal. Anyway. When Turner got this case file of Jenny Smith and he saw that the suspect was uh, Rogers, he thought to himself, why the fuck is this guy roaming the fucking streets? This is a murderer and we know it because he had been arrested prior times before Shit. for similar crimes. Yeah. Wait, wait, what do you mean similar crimes? Not similar crimes, but for like picking up hookers. Oh, Sorry. okay. But we'll okay. get we'll get into that. Fair enough. I guess. The crimes he had picked gotten picked up on what I meant were they were so similar that oh. people should have caught that this was somebody who's like building and is Escalating. about to snap. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay. The danger signals were all there and somehow the law enforcement just kept ignoring them, which is why Turner was really pursuing the Dayton thing. And he was interviewing I mean, when they talk about how many case files and, like, paperwork and binders they had on this guy, mm -hmm. it was crazy. It, at one point, I think they said, like, 36, um, 36 individual three-ring binders, like, of the three-inch ones. Oh, my just God. Just, like, stack, 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 stack. Because this guy was just notorious. And as he's... I mean, when I read this, I'm just thinking, God, this guy's a fucking boss. Like, he's a detective like no other. He knew how to fucking snoop. I knew you would admire him as soon as you just told me how many binders he had. Yeah, and they talk about how meticulous his binders were, too. Anyway. Oh, um, <laughs> I knew that. I just picture all these binders perfectly organized. You um, sitting in the middle of the and, like, labeled and everything. Oh, gosh. But apparently as he started interviewing previous victims, because this guy just went to the books and started looking at his crimes, he found people from like 15 years in the past that had complained about him having sexually assaulted them in one way or another. Oh my God. Yeah. And then to go into that a little bit. So when he was 18 in 1975, mm -hmm. he was already married to his wife, Sherry. Okay. And... They didn't have a son as of yet. He was still young. They were recently married. And he had actually previously come out of jail at this point. Oh. Yeah. And that was for having have pulled a knife out on a younger girl, again, in a sexual assault thing. So he went to jail for four years. Whatever. Prior to meeting yeah. his wife. Correct. So now he's married. He's 18. And he's, you know, trying to live a normal life. But... He's this guy who has these, like, splitting, blinding headaches that needs to get off on other people's fucking pain. Yeah. And so he is in a fight with her. He storms out. And as he's driving towards Salem, Oregon, he notices that there's a parked car on the side of the road. And he notices in the parked car there's this young 18-year-old girl. Enter Cindy Jones. Oh, poor Cindy. So... He pulls up next to her and he flashes his smile and he's talking to her. And I he's thought like, you were so. say something else. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a smile. Just a smile. smile. He's a seeming. He's this very seemingly friendly guy. He seems very ordinary. Okay. He's driving a Malibu, you know, a regular car. He works the normal guy. angle. Got it. Yeah, got he's it, clean it, cut. It. So. He's asking her if she knows where he could find a good time. And she's like, yeah, definitely. If you're over 21, there's a couple of places that you can go to. He's like, well, I'm actually not over 21. So 
And she's like, well, I'm not either. He's like, well, do you want to kind of just go and hang out and have some weed? We can smoke in my car. We have can drink a little weed. beer. And she was like, well. It's the 70s. Okay. You know, Let's you look pretty me. clean. You look okay. And so eventually she gets in the car with him. They're driving around. They're drinking. And for whatever reason, they start talking about puppies. Because, you Aww. know, puppies. Who doesn't want to talk about puppies while you're hanging out? I actually I talk about puppies talk about all puppies. the time. Yeah. So... They're talking about puppies, and she's talking to him and letting him know she wants to get one. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, you know, I have some puppies. Would you want to come over and get some puppies? Oh, does she fall for the <laughs> I've got some puppies trick? Yes. I would fall for that, though. If somebody was like, I've got puppies. I've got all, puppies. Come all my common them. sense. Poof. Because there's puppies. Okay. God damn it. So, yeah, fucking puppy. And in my notes here, I have that exclamation marks, parent, like... So he told mark, the cops. Exclamation I just... mark, everything. There's underlines, a puppy, what the fuck. So she goes with him to his aunt's house to get this puppy, quote-unquote. And he pulls up to this place where there's literally nothing. There's no homes, nothing. No puppies. No. So he continues drinking, and then he tells her, hey... There are some tapes in the back seat. Can you grab those for me? And she's like, yeah, okay. Oh. So she jumps into the back seat to get these tapes. And he's like, well, you can stay back there if it's more comfortable. And, okay, even at this point, she's got to be like, that's, okay. When I'm reading this, I think about the same thing. But, hey, puppies, music, pot. She's also high. Yeah. Think about that. She's been smoking and she's been drinking and all that. Cindy Jones. Oh, Cindy Jones. So she's, hang she's hanging out with him in the car. And eventually he, out of nowhere, just jumps into the backseat. And he binds her wrists and her ankles with electrical tape. Mm. So he starts to rape her. And every time that she's screaming, he, like, gets more excited obviously because he Cause likes he her like fighting pain. yeah yeah so this continues for hours so after multiple rapes like multiple assaults she finally convinces him to let her go outside to pee oh smart move on cindy jones's part finally. she lives to tell a tale this is how we know all of this oh, happens okay i'm like did he tell her this? <laughs> no okay, she lives okay, to tell okay. the tale so cindy jones busts out of the car she runs she's running 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 she finds a house and she lets them know, like, dude, I've been assaulted by this guy. I've been raped. And they're like, girl, let's call the cops. Right. So call the cops. Cops show up. She tells them the story. And it literally doesn't take them all but, like, ten minutes to find him because he's, like, a quarter mile down the road because his truck got stopped. <laughs> oh, okay. It's going to get pretty lengthy if I go into every single little bit of detail. But point of the story is that he argues that she didn't. She and him were doing it willingly. Oh, right? okay. That's his argument. They let him go on bail for this, pending the hearing for the trial of this case. Okay. For the assault and the rape of Cindy Jones. While he's on the bail for this, he fucking sees another young lady walking down the street, flashes his good old smile, and asks her if she wants a ride. And she's like, oh, cool. Okay. Does he pull the puppy move again? No, he, I don't oh, know. Okay. They don't talk about puppies in this one. But... <laughs> She gets in the car, they're smoking, and they're drinking again, as is his usual thing. Mm -hmm. And he, out of nowhere, just kind of pushes her into the back seat, tapes up her ankles again, 
pulls out a knife on her. And at this point, he's starting to rape her and he's telling her, like, I'm going to kill you. Mm -hmm. But he's also being very verbal and he's talking about his childhood past and things like that. Like how his mom and his dad used to rape him and his sisters used to rape him. And so he's just kind of giving her like his bio. While yeah. He's and it's kind of like a really weird situation. Mind you, you're getting yeah. raped and this guy's like kind of muttering to himself, like all of these things that um, have happened. So while this is happening, a car drives by this red pickup mm -hmm. and the high beams flash. So he gets really paranoid and he decides that he's going to relocate. So he's trying to like rape her again. And at this point, he's not really like feeling it because he's getting super paranoid. Right. And she starts like telling him, you know, like there's no need to do this. There's no need to do this. Like just take me to my grandmother's house. Like. And he's like, no, I'm going to kill you. And she's like, no, please, just take me to my grandma's house. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody. And he's like, well, I'll take you to your grandma's house, but I have to tie you up first again. So he's tying them up also with, like, electrical wire. And, yeah, you said electrical and tape, tape before. Okay. And, like, some, they even found, like, you know, like those laundromat, like the, the wire hangers. They found wire hangers that he used to tie them up with, too, in his car. Oh. Yeah. So, mind you, he's 18 at this time, and he's oh getting all fucking wild with these other girls. So, eventually, he says, yeah, I'll take you to your grandma's house, but I have to tie you up. He ties her up, and on the way there, he changes his mind, and he's like, nope, I'm going to kill you. Oh, my goodness. So, he takes off one of the straps that he's tied her up with, and he starts to, like, choke her. And as he starts to choke her, she grabs a shoe from the floor because she managed to slip away now that he kind of loosened up some of her bindings mm -hmm. and just whacks him on the head with the shoe and like obviously that like really dazes him yeah. and he's like what the fuck well not only that but he's like i'm sure expecting to have the upper <clears throat> hand in this entire right. situation and when she does this it like snaps him back into reality and he turns into like this normal person like the person that he was when she initially met him without his white rage like blinding. without the mask on yeah, yeah. she yeah. says dude just take me to my grandma's house just take me to my grandma's house she starts talking about how much she loves her grandma and things that she loves to do with her grandma she's trying to distract him from not killing her make herself more personable which yeah. is something they tell you to do so he actually did take her to her grandma's house but she had to convince him that she wasn't like going to tell anybody what had happened or anything but of course she calls the fucking cops well yeah yeah. I can't believe he actually let her go. Yeah. But he still was so violent and crazy and, like... Yeah. Um, he... Okay. I mean, it was just so crazy how many people he's assaulting. Then, this girl tells her story to the cops. But at this point, in 1976, I don't know, Clackamas County, I guess they don't have many police officers. It happens on a Friday night, so it doesn't get looked at until Monday morning. Or Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday morning. Okay. And while it's getting looked at, two other reports come in from these, a 15-year-old girl named Linda mm -hmm. and a 16-year-old girl named Janine that they were kidnapped and picked up by this guy on their way to school. And he okay. raped both of them. And while they're telling the story to one of the guys in Clackamas County, he's like, dude, that matches the profile of the case that I'm working on. So they realize, oh crap, this is the same guy. 
Yeah. So they pick him up and they charge him for first degree rape on all three accounts. Okay. And because he's violated parole, that kind of goes into something else. And then he gets acquitted of the rape charges. How? Because in 1976, people believed that young ladies put themselves in situations and things happened to them because of that. So because because they got in the car willingly and they drank (sighs) and they smoked, this 15-year-old girl, the 16-year-old girl, and the 18-year-old girl. No. Yes. That is so... They didn't get their justice for this crime. But he did go to jail for violating his parole. Well, whatever... No, I'm so sorry, but like if I were them, I'd be like, no, I want him going to and jail because why, he raped me. And this is why when Detective Turner got the fucking case and okay. he read this guy's background, okay. he's like, what the fuck? How dude? is this guy out How and about? How is this guy out and about when he's clearly raping them, assaulting them? And I don't know if I mentioned, but he pulled out a knife on all of these yeah, girls. You did like briefly mention in each one, like he was threatening them and like he pulled out a knife point. on all of them and told them that he was going to kill them if they didn't do what he asked. Mm-hmm. So of course you're going to do what the guy asks, but from what I've read and hearing a lot of these cases, I find that if you just give in. Sometimes they just get pissed off and they're like, fuck, shit. Because in this case in particular, all the girls that live to tell the tale, and there's a lot of them, they're all the ones that were like, okay, fine, fuck it. Rape me. Do whatever you want with me. And then he didn't like that. Because he got off on struggle. Yeah. The fact that they weren't struggling yeah. was all something the where girls, he was like, well, I don't want to bother yeah. them. I gave up. It's so bizarre that that's, it is for some offenders just a power thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever, I guess, take my body. And then just try and... That's just so fucked. Yeah. It's just so fucked. And the fact that, like, they were like, well, because he smoked and drank, like, it's kind of your fault. And that still gets done to this day. It's Definitely. ridiculous. And I think that I appreciated when this case finally did get its justice. And mm-hmm. definitely the person who brought it the justice was looking in all the right places. Because he went back and interviewed all of these victims that had filed cases against Leroy, Dayton Leroy Rogers, prior. Okay. So this is where he's getting his yeah. intel from, is from so, going to talk to these women. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the summer of 87, when he was 33, that he was in his all-time high. In 1987, that means that his last crime that he was convicted convicted for was in 76 okay he went to jail for about four years so he got out in about 1980 ish that means to tell me that for those seven years i highly doubt that he didn't do any fucked up shit right after he got it just, out they never got reported or they never were able to tie it to it because he started realizing i have to do this to women who people aren't gonna miss okay So it's 1987, and he's 33, he runs his own business now, he's a well-known person in his community, he lives in Canby, he has a son now, he's 18 months old, and it's been said that he looks exactly like him. Ah, creepy. Okay. So... Not his kid's fault, but whatever. He... Pretty much seems pretty normal right now. He's doing everything, his daily activities, he's got his own business, Mm -hmm. and... What they didn't know is that in the city of Portland is where he liked to find his kicks. 
at this time, he's going to Portland all the time. I mean, so frequent that it's hard to even document how often he's there. He and his wife have a really good relationship because she's also really religious and she's a devout wife. And oh. so I think it's really weird that she never picked up on any of this, but he starts spending a long time away from home on the excuse of working at his shop to catch up with work. Okay. And she would call him every so often at his shop and he would pick up the phone and he would be there and he'd say, hey, Sherry, I'm good. You know, I'm just working on this car. And... When he wouldn't pick up, he usually told her he was getting coffee or getting food. He had a reasonable excuse. Okay. But his headaches were also getting worse and worse and worse. Mm. And when his wife's calls stopped around 12 a.m., basically around the time she went to sleep, is when he started going out and about. And he would change his clothes, get all gussied up, and on one particular night, he encountered Jenny Smith. Okay. And... He would troll up and down Union Avenue looking for hookers, for street ladies. Okay. And at this point in time, they were everywhere. It, The guy in the book says they were littered around every single corner on display for all the men to see. Hmm. And there were women that wouldn't get in the car with him anymore. Oh, because they just knew about him. There were a lot of women that wouldn't get in the car with him because of personal experiences or because, you know, girls on the street, they talk to one another and they would warn them about him. Mm -hmm. But he liked to kind of play the long game a little bit. He would take girls out on dates and be a normal him, like two or three dates. And then like third date in is when he would get all rapey rapey. So he would basically do, yeah, like the long game. And so that night when he went out, he saw Jenny Smith and he picked her up because she never said no to any of his weird fetishes that he had with the whole foot thing. Mm -hmm. And so she got in the car and waved her friend goodbye that would always kind of look out for her and make sure that she was going with somebody respectable. But she literally waved her goodbye. And so her friend was like, okay, she must be good. For reasons that are unknown, he didn't take her to the forest. He dumped all of his bodies in the forest. Oh, okay. That was like his normal spot. He ends up going to a parking lot okay. in the Portland area, an abandoned parking lot. Oh. It's near a Denny's. Okay. So while he's in the parking lot, he's doing his good old thing. He's like jacking off to her feet and Super. he's binding her and he's doing, you know, his fun things his normal out of nowhere he just pulls a gun oh, sorry out of nowhere he pulls a knife from the glove compartment and is like "Ooh, we're gonna we're gonna do this right now so he slices he slashes her back and she screams out in sheer pain well yeah she has no idea this is coming because you know they've always done the binding they've always done the foot play but they never got rough so when he slashes her he turns her around and, like, almost cuts out her nipple. Like, he literally cuts... Like, gouges. Yeah, like, cuts right over her nipple. And she's screaming and screaming and screaming. And he then, obviously, is getting off on this more and more and more. And he's stabbing her. And oh. he's now inserting the knife into her. And by knife, I literally mean the knife. This is not, like, penis innuendo. No. Knife. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, 
he is doing utter horrors to this lady. I mean, the way they describe it is just so gruesome yeah. that at some points, this is why I had to tell you, I'm just... It's it takes a toll on you reading something that heavy sometimes. Well, and um, just like to be such a sick person to where it's like he's he's a fucking monster. like sadistic demonic monster. Yeah. Side note, he's still alive to this day, and now he's trying to appeal his conviction. The fucked up ones always try Saying to appeal that their conviction. He's a man of God now. No, somebody who does things like this is not a man of God. Yeah. While she's screaming in pain, a gentleman by the name of James, mm -hmm. is pulling into the Denny's parking lot and he hears her screams. But they're all the way in this remote, dark corner of this abandoned parking lot that's near the Denny's. It has nothing to do with the Denny's, but it's oh. near it. Okay, so it's not like the Denny's parking lot, but it's close. It's really close and it's dark. They can't see it because he purposefully parked in that dark spot. He hears her screams and he's kind of looking to see what's going on. Exit, Kirk from the Denny's. Okay. So Kirk is coming out of the Denny's, James is going towards the Denny's, and they lock eyes like, dude, did you hear that? Something's going on. Something's going on, let's go scope that shit out. Oh. So these two guys are like going over there, checking it out. As they're walking over there, they notice these figures, what looks to be like a man and a woman. And at first they think it's a guy trying to hold down a, drug, a lady who's on drugs, like a drug addict or somebody. And then as they get closer, they realize she's naked on the floor and he's on top of her and they think that he might be having sex with her because it looks like he is mm -hmm. and he's he's so into what he's fucking doing that he doesn't realize that these two fucking dudes are here oh my God. so they're shouting to him like what the fuck are you doing yeah and he's like oh shit so he gets up and starts walking away and the other guys are looking at this girl like, what the fuck? We have to do something about her. Of course. Kirk is thinking, shit, I have to go after this guy. But then he realizes, fuck, he has a knife. He looks at Jenny. He runs to the Denny's at this mm. point and asks them to call the cops, call the ambulance. Somebody's being raped and attacked outside. So she's still alive. Okay. Throughout this whole thing, she's still alive. But while she's <sighs> fighting him, she's becomes unconscious, obviously, because she's trying to fight him off, and she has defensive wounds all over her hands, yeah. too. And this man comes out of the Denny's because somebody screams rape, so, like, 20 people pile out of this Denny's. Right. At that point, it's like, what the heck's going on? A gentleman on? in a wheelchair comes out, sees her body, throws himself on the floor because he's an old, like, military paramedic dude and starts doing CPR, and he's trying to, like, keep oh. her alive and, like, resuscitate her. And yeah. he's giving her CPR. So this other gentleman points around, and he's like, oh, that's him. That's the guy. Because Rogers is just walking down the street. He's not running. He's in no hurry. What is He's just walking deal? down the street. Did he snap again? And so like... people are like from a distance looking, but again, you see what he's done to his body. Only fucking Virgio, badass of the year award. Virgio. Jumps in his car and decides that he's going to try to block off Dayton's truck. As he's going and blocking off the car, Rogers, he was in a blue pickup truck and he literally pedaled to the metal, gets on the sidewalk and avoids hitting his car okay so Virgil's like what no way gets in the car pursues Rogers ends up in a high-speed chase with him trying Wait, to get his license plate number a civilian civilian 
Cops are now arriving to the scene. Okay. Ambulance is arriving to the scene. They're tending to Jenny Smith. I'm so pumped about this Virgil thing. Yeah, you popped a high note on there. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear myself very well. You said well. something about your the pursuit. You, you got real into oh, it. Oh, I can hear myself now. Now you got So it. he's on pursuit yeah. of Rogers, yeah. and they're driving like 80, 100 miles per hour. Shit. But he can't get close enough to see the license plate numbers because the back light is busted on the license plate thing. Of course it is. So he's like getting super close and he says he had he ends up going like a hundred miles per hour trying to like get this fucking number as soon as he gets close to make sure that he gets the right number because he ends up trying to he looks at it three times to make sure he has the right license plate number okay so finally he gets the right license plate number he pulls over he writes it down he turns around he's halfway to canby and ends up going back to the crime scene and reporting the license plate number to the okay. cops. Okay, okay. At this point, Turner, Detective Turner, gets the license plate number, runs it, it pulls up Rogers' address. Okay. They go to Rogers' house. His wife says, he's not here. He's at the shop. She calls him. Bullshit. He's at the shop. <gasps> yeah. That little shit. <laughs> Fuck him. Yeah. Rogers is a dickhead. What? <laughs> Oh my god, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. He's at the shop. No. He gets to the shop and and he's like, yeah, come on in, guys, whatever. You guys want a cup of coffee? Like, this guy is non fucking chalant about this whole situation. Where have you been all night? I haven't gone anywhere. You haven't gone anywhere? Nope, I haven't gone anywhere. Have you been drinking? Well, I drank some, he said, like, strawberry and rum. He said some fruity drink. And uh, later on, the police ask him again, like, are you sure you haven't gotten anywhere? And he's like, well, you know, I might have gone out to get a coffee. And then he said, but you said you just made coffee, so why would you go out to get coffee? So he's getting his story mixed up. Right. Mind you, while they're talking to him, Detective Turner at some point decides to put his hand on the car. His car is so fucking hot that he can't even put his hand on the hood. Because he's been... And he's like, so... You mean to tell me, you've been here the whole time, Yeah. but I can't even, your car is so hot, the engine of this car has been ran like a motherfucker, and he's like, I don't know anything about that. Yeah. I can't even right now. Yeah. Like, that's not... Yeah. Uh... But he knows better. This detective is smart. He knows better. He's... Yeah. So yeah. once they piece everything together, they take him into custody. So Detective Turner finally charges him with the murder of Jenny Smith. Mm -hmm. It was such a gruesome assault. There were so many people that pointed him there. All the people that were at the scene of the crime were able to pinpoint him in seconds. You know, there's so many things that tied him back to it. It was a pretty like close book thing right however while this is happening a hunter okay finds a dead body in the forest mm. the malala forest uh, malala is a city in oregon it's a very small city on the outskirts of very south from portland there's not much to do there i know a couple people that actually live there presently and you know this is probably the craziest thing that has ever happened to Malala. Well, in coming full circle, the Malala Forest Killer. Malala Forest Killer. Got it. So Malala Hunter... <laughs> you know. A hunter in Malala finds the body of a, of a young girl 
and calls a decomposed body, the remains, mm-hmm. calls the cops. And while they're looking around, they find another body. They're looking around and they find another body. They're looking around and they find another body. As they're realizing this, they're like, oh shit, this is a dumping ground. This is literally a cluster. Of a serial killer. Which is what they call a serial killer dumping ground. Right. So they tape off the whole scene and they call, you know, the investigative unit. It's officially a crime scene. Cops are being called. Mm -hmm. Turner reads this case and notices that the people that are being found, seven women were found in total. A lot of them were identified. But the few that were initially identified were known to be hookers and prostitutes. So this is when he starts running everything through his mind because the other thing that happens, this guy's a fucking genius. He's walking through the forest and he notices a rubber band. Uh Yeah. He notices a green rubber band that come on these individual size disposable orange juice bottles oh and he saw these rubber God. bands in Dayton's car <gasps> and he's like huh let put a pin in that I'm gonna put it I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put a pin in that I'm gonna put a pin in so he starts to, like imagine the mind of this genius at work and referencing everything in his mind and he's when like, the math equations are floating through the air yeah that yeah. moment <laughs> something's going on so he goes back and eventually You can imagine how this all works itself out. It's really, really convoluted. If you want to look more into this case, I recommend you do because you can go into a huge rabbit hole, especially when you have to deal with every single victim that was involved in this case. There's a lot of women, not just the ones that were murdered, but the ones that were raped and assaulted and yeah, everything. So at the end of everything... He ends up getting charged with the murders of 23-year-old Lisa Marie Mock, 26-year-old Marie Moe Ann Hodges, 35-year-old Christine Lotus Adams, 20-year-old Cynthia Deveray, 26-year-old Nana Dace Noni Cervantes, 16-year-old Raithia Gibbs, and his last victim was actually just identified in 2013 she went identified for so long and it was the body of 18 year old tania jari johnston these were just the bodies of the woman that were found in the malala forest got it okay so that was the this was a separate case okay he ends up going to trial for two cases one is the murder of jenny smith mm-hmm. he ends up going to jail for the murder of jenny smith and detective turner's like oh yeah buddy wait until you see what i have working for you oh, because it's good. a separate instance they have to try it separately but they still so get to charge of, him yeah they still get to charge him with the eight malala forest murders wow. and i definitely wanted to make mention of that last victim because not a lot of people realized at the time when this case happened that it was her okay and her family didn't get the justice until what four years ago or the closure the closure crazy oh my god and one of the craziest things that i read about this case and 
I want to warn you guys before you go looking into it, it is really gruesome and explicit and I would love to have gone into more detail, but I feel like the buildup of this crime was so important. Yeah, no, that, absolutely. You know, it led up to all of that. It was said that his victims were found with their feet sawed off. Mm -hmm. And some of them was said that he did it while they were still alive. Yeah. And in one instance, he only sawed her foot halfway through. And this was for the case of Marie and Hodges. When he realized that the pain had sufficed and it wasn't enough to like satisfy him instead of sawing through he just broke her leg bone to inflict even more pain and at this point the me the medical examiner Mm -hmm. he feels like she probably ended up dying from that pain pain alone and from everything that he did to her oh my god that's the thing is it's like for me just like thinking about the the threshold, like, and the consequences of being a strong person is because you actually feel more of that. That's why I always say if I was, like, in a saw situation or something crazy like that, I would just try and bite my tongue. It's a random sight. Like, literally bite your tongue? Yeah, just bite it off. You bleed to death. Oh. Yeah, just get me out of here. I can't handle this. (laughs) I thought you meant... I'll just like, bite my tongue. Like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to bite my tongue. <laughs> no, I'm going to bite my tongue off. <laughs> okay. So, that's the end of that. <laughs> so, thank you guys for sticking with us. There's no need to carry on with this nonsensical uh, stuff, I guess. Bite your tongue off if you can. Otherwise, just hey, be safe. And remember that anything can be used as a weapon. Even a shoe.